Outlet Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and a very good afternoon to you. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio and it is time for The Profile. I'm Sam Hales, introducing the show today. It's a very special episode. We're re-airing an interview that Premier's Maria Rodriguez did with the author and popular speaker Joyce Mayer. This interview was conducted in the summer of 2015 and we are presenting it to you again. It's a fantastic interview. Let's listen in. Joyce, welcome to the programme. It's great to have you you here. Thank you. Now, when you were a child, what kind of exposure did you have to faith? Were you ever taken to church? Well, my parents actually sent me to church with some neighbors. They didn't go, but they sent me to Sunday school with some neighbors, which is really a good testimony for inviting people to go to church. My parents had no interest in going, and I always think they just let me go to get me out of the house. But uh, that was kind of my first exposure, and... um, got me interested in some of the things of God. And then when I was nine years old, I asked Christ into my heart. I don't even really know how I knew I needed to be saved, but God makes us aware that we need him. And uh, I always tease and say, I went to church that night for the purpose of being saved. And I took two of my cousins with me and said, we're all going to get saved. So I guess I had a little bit of a Christian leadership in me even back then. And uh, the pastor forgot to have an altar call that night. So I had to make a another decision which was to go home without what I came for or to be bold and go up and ask for it. So I went up to the altar and said, can you save me? (laughs) Wow. Of course, he felt terrible (laughs) that he forgot to have an altar call. And uh, so that was kind of my first exposure to God. I really felt a release from my sins and knew that I'd been forgiven. But um, the next day I cheated in a game of hide and go seek with some of my cousins and I thought I'd lost my salvation because I didn't, I didn't have any teaching or understanding, but God was always with me after that, even though I didn't realize it until I was older. I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times God is with us and doing things in our lives, and we just don't know how to recognize Amen. that he's there and working. And um, Now, for a lot of people, when they're sort of in their teenage years, growing up, they have career ambitions, aspirations. Did you have any? Uh, You know, I was abused while I was growing up by my dad sexually and mentally and verbally, and he was an alcoholic and just mean and violent. And I think my only ambition was to survive life and and get out of his house. I mean, I just wanted to get to be 18, get out of school so I could get away from him, and that was exactly what I did. I moved and and just basically worked at a lot of different jobs. I always did office work. I was a bookkeeper and a just office clerk and a credit manager and an office manager and just just different things and then uh, I married the first young guy that came along that showed any interest in me because I thought nobody would ever really want me and I always say that desperate people do desperate things and you have to be really careful when you do that and then uh, after a, a failed marriage and giving birth to to one child I met the man that I've now been married to for 48 and a half years and um, it's been been quite a journey. He was a fine Christian man, and one of the things he asked me before he asked me to marry him was if I would go to church with him. And uh, so I started into a relationship of going to church and always say I I tried religion. I learned some good things there, and I learned some good foundations for faith, but I wasn't really learning enough of what I needed to know to have my life healed. Yeah, sure. So 
Uh, I got I got ambitions later on in life. <laughs> <laughs> now, for some people, if they have a poor relationship with their father, it's often said that then that can affect their relationship with their heavenly father. Was mm -hmm. that something you had to wrestle with? In some ways I did, and in some ways I didn't. I think the biggest thing that I had to to deal with was not feeling like that God was mad at me every time I made any kind of a little mistake because the home that I grew up in, I mean, you just never knew what was going to set my dad off. A lot of it was just dependent on his mood, and uh, he was just angry a lot. And so when he would get angry, there would always be punishment, whether that was not talking to you or, you know, giving you some kind of correction or not letting you do something you wanted to. And so I, it took me a long, long time to realize that God wasn't mad at me. That, you know, God can get angry, but he's not an angry God. He doesn't, his anger doesn't last for long. You know, his, his, he's merciful and kind and good. And, and certainly the moment that we're sorry for anything we've done wrong, you know, there's complete and total restoration. So that was probably one of the things that I struggled with the most. Another thing that I really struggled with was learning how to enjoy life. I never really got to be a child. I just, I don't ever remember being free and a kid and, not having responsibility, and my father was abusing me, and the big thing was, you know, not to make sure I didn't tell anybody, and so I lived with this terrible secret all the time, and uh, I just, we just didn't enjoy life. My, I can remember getting in trouble for laughing and having fun because my father was just so unhappy, and um, so it took me a long time to to finally really learn the true meaning of John 10, 10, that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy your life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. And, uh, you know, enjoying life doesn't mean we live on vacation or that it's just always about being at a party, but just learning how to enjoy common, ordinary, everyday life. Now, in your new book, Get Your Hopes Up, one of the things you encourage people to do is to find good in every situation. So right. hearing the tough stuff you've been through, people will think, well, how have you managed to find good even in some of those challenges you've been through? Well, you know, what I was going through wasn't good, but I did have to make a choice to either cave in and just give up on life or rather to press in and overcome. And I chose probably part of my personality but a lot of it just being God in me I chose to I was determined I was going to make it through that and come out on the other side and and do something so I think in every situation in life no matter how bad it is I mean it, it doesn't every situation is not something that God's doing in our life many of the things are, are the enemy doing things or messes we get ourselves into but the moment that we begin to trust God to take those things and work good out of them. He can and will do that. It's not an overnight process, but I believe that I'm stronger, uh, much more determined individual, that I really have come to know God in a very personal way because of the things that, that I went through. And, uh, you know, Jesus said to one woman who had been what the Bible calls an especially wicked sinner, you know, he who is forgiven much loves much. And uh, God's done so much in my life that I am deeply committed and definitely in love with the Lord. <laughs>
Now, as a young woman, you did experience a season of, of poverty. Did that kind of almost cause you to rely on God a bit more, almost to kind of have to pray for miracles for God to provide? Yeah, I think, you know, if you don't have anybody but God, then you, you, you know, you do depend on Him. And uh, I wouldn't say that, that we had poverty, but we definitely lived paycheck to paycheck. Always, I was always afraid that we weren't going to have enough because I had grown up having to take care of myself. And so God really needed to teach me to depend on Him for what was coming up in our future, which I didn't even realize yet what was going on. I think a lot of times God is preparing us for something in our future, and we don't even really, we don't know that. So that's why a lot of things that happened to us in our life we don't understand. Sometimes why God doesn't get us out of things quicker than He does, or maybe you'll see somebody else that, Maybe you want the same thing as somebody else and they get it right away and you still don't get it. And it's very important to learn how to just trust God that he has an individual plan for us and that even though we don't understand it right now. I always like to say that, that we, we live life forward, but we understand it backward. You know, we're always going forward, but it's most of the time people can get several years on the other side of something and then look back and say, well, I understand it. So now I know the amount of finances that we need to run the ministry that we have today. I started learning how to trust God for finances many, many, many years ago when it was just trusting Him for things like utensils for my kitchen and shoes for my kids and things like that. Now, one of the other things in the book is that you talk about how many of us get up in the morning and we just kind of expect our day not to go well. Right, so how exactly. can we change that mindset and actually expect things to go well? Well, the thing that I really enjoyed about writing the book, Get Your Hopes Up, is I think that people sometimes, and I found this in my own life, uh, I had had so many bad things happen to me that I just kind of got in a habit of expecting the next bad thing. And actually, the Bible has a terminology for that in Proverbs fifteen fifteen. It's referred to as evil forebodings. And it says that evil forebodings make all of our days miserable, which my days pretty much were miserable, but it was because I had such a negative attitude. My whole attitude was, well, if you don't expect anything good to happen, then you're not disappointed when it doesn't. And as I've shared that around the country in my teachings, a lot of people are like that. They've had so many bad things happen that they really, they think they're protecting themselves by having a bad attitude, but really God can't do the good things in our life that he wants to do if we're not trusting him to and expecting him to. And uh, so you can have hope on purpose. You don't have to wait to feel it. It's an attitude. And although the world can take many things away from us, it cannot take away a good attitude if we determine to have one. And... Uh, so if people will just begin to believe that something good is going to happen to them, and I encourage people to say it even several times a day if you're not accustomed to it. You know, I kind of live with that now. I mean, I, I expect good things to happen. I didn't, I didn't come here today to do this interview expecting it not to be good or expecting it to be hard or, you know, expecting to get confused in the interview. I, I come expecting good things to happen. And that doesn't mean that our lives are perfect and that we always get everything turning out just the way we want it to. You know, we have disappointments just like everybody else does. But I refuse to live in a hopeless, negative 
state all the time where I'm expecting something bad to happen. I'm going to expect good things to happen and be You've alluded a few times to some of the tough stuff that you've been through. You said you've, you've had a difficult life. So apart from the abuse, could you give an example of something else that you've found challenging in life? Well, I think one of the most I think one of the most challenging things that we all come up against is forgiving people who hurt us and disappoint us. And boy, the Bible is just full of the admonition to forgive those that hurt you and to do so quickly. And if you have to do it many times, to do it over and over and over. And I think a lot of times we, we think, well, it's just not fair. How could you ask me to, we, we feel like if we forgive somebody, then they're just getting off without paying for their mistakes. But that's really not true. God asks us to forgive because it's good for us. I actually wrote a book called Do Yourself a Favor and Forgive. And I don't think people realize just how devastating bitterness and hatred and, and unforgiveness is to our own lives. And so, you know, if somebody's done something wrong and they're not repentant, they're still going to have to deal with that between them and God. But if I forgive them and pray for them, then that opens up a door for God to be able to work in their life. And it sets me free. There's nothing more miserable than being angry all the time and bitter about something that you can't do anything about. And most of the time we're angry at somebody who's out having a good time and don't even care that we're upset. You know, I was mad at my dad and it wasn't bothering him. You know, I, I not only hated him, but I kind of transferred it to all men. Well, you know, all men are this way. All men are going to take advantage of you because I'd had some bad experiences with not only my dad, but with a few other male relatives in our family and as well as my first marriage was just a nightmare. He ran around on me with other women all the time and went to prison and just did all kinds of stuff. So I didn't have a very high opinion of the male population <laughs> by the time I was, was in my 20s. And I, I had to learn that it wasn't fair for me, for example, to make my husband try to pay for something that my dad did to me. You know, it wasn't fair for me not to trust him because I couldn't trust somebody else. So that was hard for me. Learning how to not try to be in control of every situation was hard for me. And I wasn't controlling just out of being selfish and self-centered and wanting to rule the world. I was afraid that if I let anybody else have any authority over me that they would not make decisions that would benefit me. I thought that, you know, my experience with authority had been that people in authority use you to get what they want. And so that was really difficult for me to learn how to let everybody run their own lives and not try to be in, in charge of everything. And, you know, there's probably a very long list of things that were hard for me. You know, learning how to, th how to think properly according to the Word of God takes time. And, you know, of course, I talk pretty freely, so people who do sometimes have to learn uh, when to talk and when not to, you know. So just, just a lot of different things. But the thing that I love about God, well, one of the things, it's not the thing, is that he works with us little by little, gradually over a period of time. I think if God showed every person everything that was wrong with them all at once, we would just faint, couldn't even... Overwhelming. Yeah, it would just be overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. But he, he deals with us one thing at a time, gently, works with us, and, you know, that thing gets worked out, and then at the right time, he brings up something else. So being a... A Christian, a victorious Christian, is definitely a journey, and uh, but it's a journey that we can enjoy. I think a lot of times we look too much at the destination, and we don't take enough time to just enjoy the journey. 
It sounds like life was probably a bit tough for your husband, Dave, early on. Do you think you were a challenge to him? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, that, I think that God gave me the perfect man. And actually, he had had a very strong walk with God and had some very unique times with God that prepared him, I think, for the journey that was ahead. And uh, he was just very stable and um, just very strong in his commitment to God. And he, uh, he didn't let my bad behavior change him which I think is unique. I think a lot of times if, if you're around somebody that's unhappy, then you get unhappy. But he was determined he was going to enjoy his life no matter what I did. And actually that made me even matter for a while because miserable people want to make other people miserable. But he wouldn't let me do that. And uh, that actually turned out to be to my benefit. And, and I think I was very much a challenge for him, but I don't think it bothered him as much as people might think it would have just because of his temperament and his ability to go ahead and enjoy his life no matter what. Was there any element where you were afraid that maybe you wouldn't be a good parent to your children because of the experience you had with your parents growing up? You know, actually, I can't say that I really thought about that all that much. I, you know, maybe I should have, but I didn't. And uh, it is amazing to me when I look back at what a mess I was and how good all my kids turned out, you know, because you would think that it wouldn't have been. And I certainly wasn't a perfect parent, you know, I... I was frustrated a lot when my kids were little, but I was really frustrated with myself. However, anytime you are, you end up, you know, probably getting mad more than you should and being less patient than you should. But, and then, you know, when I was called into ministry, that brought a unique element into our life, even beyond the problems I'd had, because I always say I, I'm a good mother, but I'm not a normal mother. You can't do what I'm doing and be like, you know, every other person that you know. But I think that God anoints an entire family, not just an individual. And so I, uh, I always encourage people. I mean, I actually wrote a book on how to be a confident mom because I think a lot of people are afraid they cannot be good parents. It, it's actually been amazing to me how people worry about not raising their kids right and not doing the right thing for them. And uh, certainly, if God's going to give you a child, he's going to give you the ability to take care of that child. And uh, God will always anoint us to do anything that he asks us to do, including being a parent. <laughs> now, you mentioned, of course, when you heard the call to ministry, that was when the sort of dynamic of things changed. So how did you get to the point of realizing, actually, maybe God's calling me to preach? I'm sure it's very unique to people when somebody says, God called me to do this. You know, it's not like he called me up on the phone and said, this is what you're going to do. But um, I had listened to a teaching that was back then recorded on cassette tapes. And um, I had had a, a real strong encounter with God, uh, just crying out to him, asking him to do something in my life. I was already a Christian, had been in church for a long time, but just didn't have any victory in my life. And I kind of came to that point where I just knew something wasn't right. You know, it's just like, surely there's more to this than this. I don't have the peace I read about. I don't hear, have the joy I read about. And so I cried out to God to do something in my life, and he really did touch me and just made me really aware of his love. And um, so I, I started listening to more teaching, and I was listening to a teaching cassette tape, and I remember it being 60 minutes long, and it was all based off of one little group of scriptures, and I just was just so amazed that somebody could preach that long on one thing and keep my interest. And um, I didn't realize that when the anointing is there, then it keeps your interest. And 
I was actually making my bed when I was listening to that teaching and doing some housework, and and uh, I just felt very strongly. Uh, you know, we say God said to me, uh, but it's not so much that everything comes in words. I think it was just like this overwhelming desire came that someday I'm going to do that. I'm going to teach the word and go all over the world. And I, I, f- I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart that I'd have a large teaching tape ministry, which is kind of unique. And But if you think about it now, even just being on television around the world, everything does go out by some kind of recorded message. And so I am teaching the gospel around the world through uh, recordings that are made of teachings that I do in the United States and in my conferences. And uh, I just believe that when God calls a person to do something that that they know. You know, people say, how do you know that God's calling you? Well, I just, I just think that you know. And it's usually something that even if you want to get rid of it, you can't. There were times in my life when, you know, trying to birth the ministry was so hard and I had so much opposition. And for me as, as a woman in ministry, when I started 40 years ago, was very unheard of and unpopular it just wasn't something that people did very often at all so you got a lot of judgment and criticism for it but I had such a strong desire to do it that's never really left me from that day until this so I I just think that people know yeah were people actually critical to your face when you were trying to launch out into ministry oh I remember I was at a at a a bonfire one night a, a church thing and some of the ladies there said, we, somebody told us that you said you felt like you were going to have this real big ministry. And I said, yeah, I really do. I feel like God spoke that to me. And I was so excited. And I remember one of the girls saying, well, frankly, we've talked about it. And with your personality, we don't see how that's possible. <laughs> so, yes, people were critical to my face. People said, you know, you can't do that. You're a woman. You don't have the education. You know, everybody's always willing to tell you what you're not. But God knows what he can do through you if you'll submit to him. Now, one of the things, of course, that can hold us back from seeing the, the vision that we have for God fulfilled is a sense of insecurity or fear. Right. So did you have moments where you thought, actually, maybe I can't do this? I had all of that <laughs> in abundance. You know, when I first started trying to minister the word in front of people, I mean, I would be nervous. And, you know, <clears throat> what insecurity does to us is it causes us to be concerned about what people are going to think of us. We're always more concerned about what people think of us than we are what God's leading us to do. And so you do work through those things if you're going to continue. If I wouldn't have worked through it, the stress would have killed me by now. But you get to the point where you just, the more experience you have with God, the easier it is to have faith. And I do believe that one of the things that people need to do is they need to continue with God and watch Him work in their lives. And, you know, the truth is, is that, you know, God always comes through. Anytime I get up to speak, he always comes through. And, and if you trust God, he can even cause, cause you to have favor and get people like you in when, when there's no reason for them to. You were mentioning that you listen to uh, preaching on, on a teaching cassette. Yeah. Do you have time now to listen to anybody else preaching? I do some, yeah, not as much as I used to because I'm pretty busy. But, but I mean, I listen to other people a lot for years and years, and I, and I still do. You know, I mean, it's not that I never listen to anybody because I do. I probably do more reading, though, than I do actually listening, and uh, you can learn a lot from books. I've written over a 100, so people could learn a lot if they read all 100 of my books, and I've learned just 
I mean, I'm sure by now I've read thousands of books and I learn a lot from that way. Now, for a lot of people, they look to you as their role model. Do you have anyone that you would say is your role model? Probably different people in different ways. The man that uh, we claim as our pastor is just a very loving man, and I've learned that from him. And, you know, I think that there's not any one person that I would say is my role model except Jesus, and I really think he's the ones that we should pattern our life after. I think other people can be an example to us, but they should never become our standard. We always need to want to be exactly what he wants us to be. Joyce, just a moment ago, you were mentioning that your pastor of your church is someone that has been a real encouragement to you in your life. I guess, though, traveling so much, church sort of almost has to become wherever you happen to be yeah, ministering right. over weekends. So I me. guess you can't really be plugged into a local church in the same way as most people would no, be. No, I can't. And it's, uh, but we do, I mean, I feel like I live in church. You know, we do lots and lots of meetings ourselves. It just happens that I'm always the one doing the preaching. But we do have a, a pastor that uh, we actually ask him to officially be our pastor. I really respect him and love him. And, uh, you know, if we needed correction, I feel that he would give it to us, just somebody to be accountable to. And he's on our board, the board of our ministry. And he's just a, he's a wonderful man. His name's Tommy Barnett. He's been in ministry a lot longer than I have and uh, is a wonderful teacher, but also really, really, really cares about the poor and the needy, and he's just a very loving person. And I like to be around people that really walk in love. I love to be around people that are generous. Uh, I like to be around people that challenge me to always come up higher or at least to stay strong in areas like that because being a minister is not about just having something to say. It's also about being an example in how you live. And uh, so I, I really appreciate him. You mentioned there the importance of generosity, and I know a lot of press, particularly in this country, have criticized you know, ministers who have lots of wealth and that sort of thing, saying it doesn't match up with Jesus' <laughs> simplicity. How would you respond to that kind of criticism? Well, if you want to know the truth, I've kind of quit responding to it because I find that people who want to find fault pretty much have already made their mind up, and they're not going to believe anything that, that you say, no matter what. And... Um, you know, we need to be content whether we have a lot or we have a little. And I went through lots and lots of years of having a little and love God just as much. And uh, most of our income does not come from the ministry anyway. It comes from outside sources and, and a lot of from the books that I've written. And even those books, any books that we sell through the ministry, I don't take any royalty off of. It's just the books that are sold out, out in the market. But it kind of amazes me that people have this idea that if you work for God, you should have nothing, which doesn't really make much sense, I mean, if, if you think about it. And uh, I think that God wants our needs to be abundantly met. Like I said, he wants us to be the same either way. I mean, the Apostle Paul said, I've learned how to be content, whether I'm abased or abounding. And we certainly should have a good attitude either way. But if you work hard, and you do the right things, and you're generous, and you give. The Bible promises us that God will give back to us, multiplied many times over. And I don't think it's so much, we shouldn't care so much what people have. We should look maybe a little bit more at what they do with it. So people sometimes look at, at what a minister may have, or, you know, somebody else. It doesn't have to be a minister. And but most of the time, people are making comments about things they don't know anything about. They don't 
They don't even really know who the person is. And there are excesses in everything. I mean, there can be a bad minister just like there can be a bad doctor, but you don't stop trusting all doctors because maybe you go to a bad one. So I think we need to be a little bit better about keeping our opinions to ourselves and and not judging things that we don't know anything about. That was Premier's Maria Rodriguez talking to Joyce Mayer. Do stick around here on Premier Christian Radio. We'll be hearing the rest of that interview right after this. Alexandra, does God exist? I'm sorry, I cannot answer this question. Well, what is the point of life then? Please, ask this question to someone qualified. Ideally, human. Truth is, artificial intelligence and search engines can't really help with some questions, which is why I'd love you to join me, Justin Briley, at Unbelievable the Conference 2018. Honest answers from an international team of thinkers, including our partners Reasons to Believe, equipping you to share your Christian faith in our sceptical world. Unbelievable the Conference 2018. Your questions answered. London, the 19th of May. Early bird discounts available at premier.org.uk slash justask. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. back to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hales, introducing the second part of the show today. This is Maria Rodriguez's interview with Joyce Mayer. This was originally broadcast in the summer of 2015, but we're bringing it to you again. It's a fantastic interview. Let's listen in to the second part of today's show. And of course, one part of the ministry is Hand of Hope, actually reaching out to people practically rather than just spiritually. So how important is it you use your, your influence, your platform, uh, your networks to reach out to people who are in need in that way? Well, it's extremely important. It's one of the most important things to us because Jesus always helped the poor. Actually, the, the mon- Judas was the treasurer and the money that he carried was specifically to help the poor and the needy. And I I like to say it like this. I think some people are hurting so bad in their life that just preaching to them wouldn't do one bit of good at all. If somebody's had a terrible time in life and they've gone through one tragedy after another and you say to them, God loves them, you know, they might just laugh at you. You know, it's like, well, I sure don't feel like he loves me with everything I've been through. So I think many times we have to be willing to show people the love of God. And that can be anything from being patient over a long period of time to providing for a physical need that they have that may cost you some money. And so the the preaching of the gospel was always connected with helping the poor in the Bible. And if, if you read the whole Bible and everything it says about the poor and, and the oppressed and bringing justice to them and helping widows and orphans, I mean, we can't deny that that's not a central thing, theme of what God wants us to do. And so I think that the two really have to be put together. I think we we preach and we serve. We show the love of God. We talk about the love of God. And uh, I just believe it's the heart of God that you do that. Could you give an example maybe of, sort of one of the projects that Hand of Hope is involved in so we can get a sense of how the ministry is making a difference? Well, one of the things that we do is we have a large prison ministry, which I'm very fond of, and uh, we have placed almost three million books in prison cells now. Um, You know, a lot of times these people have nothing better to do than read, and it's amazing how many people come to Christ through that. 
And we don't just ship the books to the prison and ask them to distribute them. We actually have a prison ministry team that delivers these books to the prison and go cell to cell if they will let them. Now we give them some hygiene items and a letter, tell them that God loves them, and then one of our books. And then another part of our ministry that I'm really fond of is our medical missions. There's so many people in the world that are sick and have no kind of medical care at all. They have no access to a doctor, no access to any kind of medicine. If if they break a leg, the bone's going to heal crooked. They're going to be crippled the rest of their life. And so we, we do lots of uh, medical missions, and I think it's a great way, it's a great introduction to then bring the gospel to people. Uh, we do a lot with water wells in areas where the water is not clean. We We have the privilege of funding and supporting 36 orphanages. We get to be involved in uh, human trafficking and just just really pretty much anything that we can find to do that's going to help people and glorify the name of God, we uh, we get involved in it. We work a lot through partners that are on the ground. We I feel like sometimes like we're a bridge, you know, we minister to people that give and then we take what they give and distribute it out in the places where it has the most need. Wow, it's amazing you can even you know, manage to have this overview of everything that's going on. It's absolutely incredible. So what do you do in downtime to switch off? Do you have things that you do to try <laughs> you and think help I you have that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have more balance in my life now than I've ever had in my whole ministry. I was very out of balance for a lot of years, and I got sick probably three times before I finally got the message that you can't just go, 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 go. You can't, you can't break God's laws of rest even if you're working for God. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, I'm, I'm trying to help people and I'm, I'm ministering the gospel. But you still, even God rested. <laughs> you know, on the seventh day, even God rested. And so we need to rest we, and, and balance is so important. The Amplified Bible says in First uh, Peter 5 that we're to be well balanced for our adversary the devil roams about like a lion roaring in fierce hunger seeking whom he may devour. And I think when you're out of balance, it opens a door for the enemy. You know, people people who work and never rest, they get unhappy. Uh, the more unhappy you get, the tireder you are, the grouchier you are, the harder you are to get along with. So I have a lot of balance in my life. And, uh, you know, I just like to do simple things like, like any other woman would, you know. I like to shop. I like to get a facial. I like to watch a good movie, you know, when I can find one. I I have 11 grandchildren. I enjoy my children, you know, just, you know, Dave gets to play a lot of golf. And so that's, that's great for him because he, he needs and enjoys a lot of activity. And so that's his way of, of unwinding. Uh, to be honest, because I'm in front of so many people all the time, sometimes entertainment for me is to stay home alone <laughs> and just to get to be by myself. So really, we are very simple, practical people. You know, people get these ideas about somebody on television. You know, I remember one time somebody saw me in a grocery store and they were like, what are you doing here? I said, well, I eat like everybody else. You know, so I mean, I don't always go to the grocery store, but if I need to go, I go. (laughs) Has it been a challenge though to try and sort of work out who wants to, for example, befriend you so that they can be entertained by you because of who you are rather than, you know, just because of the ministry that you do? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I don't even know that people mean to do it, but but when you're when you are a minister, 
a lot of people just expect something from you. You know, they want you to help them. They want you to pray for them. They, they want you, you know, whatever, you know. And uh, that's why sometimes it's important to get a break and, and do something else. And, you know, I tried to choose my own friends for many years and find, you know, the right friends. And I finally decided that it has to be what I now call divine connections. I believe that God gives us the right friends. And, you know, gratefully, my children are all grown. And so I'm good friends with them and do lots of things with them. And uh, in addition to that, I have several people in my life that are, they're mature enough to be good friends with me, but also work for me. And sometimes that's kind of challenging. You know, if, if somebody is your authority, then it's hard to relate to them, you know, in a, in a normal way too. And, uh, but I think a lot of people that are in the public eye, uh, you know, there's, there's aspects to it that are not as easy as what people might think. And sometimes there is a type of, of uh, aloneness. I don't even like to say loneliness anymore because I, I'm not lonely. But, but you, you know, you do sometimes have to, have to be alone. And, and ministering to other people is just part of what we do. You know, I can't be on television and not be recognized. So you can't get one without the other. And I want to do what God's calling me to do more than I want to have whatever somebody would call a normal life, you know. My life is normal for me, but it's not normal according to your everyday society. So there are sacrifices then, yeah, as there you're are, saying, certainly. for ministry. There are, but, you know, anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I mean, what a privilege it is to, to be able to help people or to even have people want to be like you or, or want to learn from you. It's, it's a great privilege to, to write a book and get it into, you know, several hundred thousand people's hands. And so I'm, uh, I'm certainly not anybody that anybody ever needs to feel sorry for. You know, once in a while, I guess I'll still feel sorry for myself when I'm tired, but, <laughs> but it's kind of stupid when I do. So uh, I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Now, of course, the ministry has grown over the years. It's absolutely incredible to see what God's done through the ministry. Are there potential people who are going to be sort of successors of the ministry when, you know, you're no longer around, obviously looking into the future? Well, our, our sons will probably run the ministry, the two of them. Their names are David and Daniel, and uh, David heads up the world missions, and Daniel takes care of all the, the media and the office stuff, you know, because... Our ministry at this point is based around a teaching gift, and uh, thus far none of my children have exhibited having that. Then God's got a plan, and we don't know exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, even if it's not the same as it is now, uh, our children will probably really try to continue all the outreach ministries that we have. And, you know, my teaching can be useful for many, many years after I'm not here on the earth. I mean, most of the books that I read that I really enjoy, or I'll say a lot of them, were written by people that aren't alive anymore. So that's the great thing about the Word of God is, you know, I may get old and not be here anymore, but the Word of God never gets old. And so the, the teaching can go on and on and on for a long period of time. 
a lot of people are saying at the moment they think there's a real unity between churches like never before. I mean, you're going to be sharing the platform with a, a Vatican preacher right. in a yeah. few days' time who's baptised in the Spirit. Do you think yeah. there is more unity between churches than maybe there has been I in the believe, past? I believe there is. I think that the walls are starting to come down, and I think it's going to have to be that way if we're going to do what Jesus needs us to do as the end times get closer and closer. And... Um, it's great to see. It's really foolish for people to divide over little things that really don't make that much difference. And uh, so I'm looking forward to being involved in everything that God wants me to be involved in. Now, of course, anyone who's involved in ministry, there are going to be people who criticize. Sorry, this is, I'm sorry about this. You know what it is? It's it, the way, it's, it's, well, it's the way the microphone is on there. It's laying on my... <laughs> On my top. It, it. We're nearly there, not long to go. You're falling asleep. <laughs> do you know how to take this and loop it under the back of that? That's what they do a lot of times, though. Yeah. Because I'm not moving, so. <laughs> I think the microphone is moving on its own. Mm, I'm trying yeah. to be super still here. <laughs> Could I have a little drink? Talking. Talking must move. <laughs> Maybe some vibrations. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're probably about finished. Yeah, yeah almost. Yeah. 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 All right. right, just a couple more questions. Is yeah. That right? Um, I forgot where we are now. We were talking about unity, weren't we? Um, we were kind of done with that. You yeah, were going yeah, on that's right, yeah, fine, yeah. Now, one of the challenges, of course, is anybody in ministry is going to have their critics, as I was saying. And, you know, if you just search for someone's name on the Internet, all this criticism oh is going to come through. <laughs> you know, people saying, oh, you know, obviously Joyce is dissatisfied with herself because she's had plastic surgery, her yeah. wealth, this, that and the other. <laughs> do you read the things that are written about you online? No, I do not. I would not put my name in the web and look it up and see what it said about me because the, the sad thing is is anybody can say anything they want to and even sadder is that people believe it and uh, and it never goes away you put something on the internet and it's just it's there forever and uh, if anybody needs to read anything that needs to be taken care of my office staff does it it's, it, it's not even healthy for me to do it. it it's not even good I know who I am I know my walk with God, and uh, I don't have to get into the rest of it. And, and I think, by and large, we've been doing this so long now that I think, by and large, most people, especially anybody that's going to receive from us and love us, they know who we are and what we're about. And the other people that have things to say, you know, they don't, they don't take the time to get to know you. The Bible says, know those that labor among you. And how can you possibly have an opinion about what somebody's doing if you don't even know them at all? We can, we can judge somebody's actions, but if you don't know their heart behind it, then you really don't understand the person. I don't think you survive this if you don't get to the point where you just really are not that concerned about what people say. Nobody likes people to say bad things about them. But, I mean, Jesus made himself of no reputation. He said if the world hated me, you can pretty well be assured they're going to they're gonna hate you. So you're, you're not, I don't care if you're a singer or an actress or 
whatever. I mean, the moment that you become in charge of anything, you're pretty well assured that you're never going to have everybody agree with you. You just cannot make a decision that everybody agrees with. So we have to be true to our own heart and true to God and let everybody else do what they have to do. Now, apart from, of course, in the early days when people were saying, oh, you know, we're not sure about women being in ministry, criticizing you at that point. Have you felt misunderstood at all by people in the church along the journey, along the ministry path? Oh, I think that uh, that's one of the things that makes us feel lonely at times is that you're, you're not, you know, I mean, like, we have probably now about 700 employees. Well, we can't make any one decision that all 700 are going to agree with. And so people don't understand, like we have to look at something from all these different angles, but people on the outside, and I mean, I would do it too, you only look at how it affects you. And so people don't understand your decisions all the time. I'm always impressed by what the Bible says in Acts about Moses. It said that he expected that his brethren would understand that God had called them to be their deliverer, but they did not understand. And I think a lot of times we just expect that people will understand, especially like, like when God first called me into ministry, I thought everybody would be excited for me. And I was literally shocked when people started getting mad and judging me and criticizing me and not wanting to be involved with us anymore. And, you know, no prophet is without honor except his own home. Most of the rejection that Jesus got, it was from his own family members, people that knew him. It's very hard for somebody to know you the way you were and then see you as a new creature in Christ. And so you do, you are misunderstood sometimes. And I, I always say, I think anybody like me is a little bit unique. You know, uh, I could say strange or weird, but I'm going to make it sound positive. I just, yeah, I mean, for example, I've got something going on in my head all the time. You know, uh, the minute I finish here with this interview, then I need to start thinking about what I'm going to say tomorrow morning when I get up in the next event and then the next morning after that. And so I, I, I'm always thinking or dreaming or planning and so sometimes people can feel that you're a little disconnected or you know that you're not paying attention to them so I think but but who doesn't feel misunderstood I'm sure that a mom at home with her children feels misunderstood she doesn't feel like anybody really understands what she goes through all day you know husband might come home and say well what did you do all day you know like she did nothing and so I think really everybody probably in some way, shape, or form, feels misunderstood and underappreciated. <laughs> now, obviously, for many people, you know, they, they, as I said earlier on, they see you as a role model. You've got fans all over the world. So apart from your husband and your family helping you, what tools have you got to try and keep your feet on the ground <laughs> and not letting it affect you? Well, I think God's really good at that. You know, he... Uh, you know, I have, I have a long relationship with God. I didn't just start doing this yesterday. I've been doing it 40 years. And I've changed a lot, of course, over the years. And I know that it takes a lot longer to build something than it does to tear it down. And I'm very aware that if I don't stay right in my heart attitude with God, uh, I think you always have to know what you're not as well as what you are. And I, I mean, I am... 100% convinced that everything that's happening through me 
is God. Now that doesn't mean that I didn't make decisions and that I don't have a part and that I don't have to work hard, but this whole thing that we're doing is God. I mean, you could not do what we're doing and even pay for it if it wasn't God, you know. So um, I know that I know that I know that it's God and I know that humility is something that's very important and uh, I think the, the biggest place where we need humility is before God as well as before people. But, you know, I might get thousands of compliments while I'm here in Europe on this tour. And I'll be in front of large crowds of people and they'll clap and cheer and adore me. But when I go to bed at night, I give it back to God. I know that only God can give you favor with people and allow you to do the kind of things that I'm doing. And so... Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, if I, if I would get out of line at all, my husband or any one of my children would tell me. Our whole family is pretty committed to not being phonies and doing what we do the right way. So I'm, in addition to having God always there to correct me, I've got my family too. That's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So. Now, if someone would say to you, Joyce, you can speak on anything tonight. We've got a stage for you. What is your one topic that you're really passionate about at the moment? Well, there's two things that I would have to say. One, I believe that we can never hear too much teaching about what it really means to walk in love. And if there's anything that the church worldwide is lacking, it's probably that. Really genuinely walking in love with everybody. It's, you know, we throw that word around a lot and we love everything from ice cream to our pets to God. And obviously we don't love all of them in the same way. And loving people, especially people that aren't very lovable, is a huge challenge. And even knowing what that means, you know, loving somebody doesn't even always necessarily mean that I want to spend a lot of time with them. It may be that I don't talk bad about them, that I pray for them, that I'll help meet a need if they have it. Uh, and then the other thing that I think is extremely important is learning to have a personal, intimate relationship with God, not just to go to God when you need something, but to go to Him because you need Him. It's one thing to, to seek Him for what He can do for you. It's another thing entirely to seek Him for who He is. And I think that we all start out that way. You know, we're usually in trouble and we have a lot of needs. And so the whole relationship is asking God to do something for us. But I think it's good when we get to the point where we can say, God, what can I do for you today? Is, what? Pr is prayer a battle, though, sometimes? Prayer a battle? Uh, not so much anymore. I mean, I think there probably was a time when it was. But I think prayer can become like breathing. You know, you just, I have my time of prayer, but also I've, tried to learn to pray my way through the day you know you can pray anytime you want to and you know why I think prayer is a is a battle I don't think people understand that it can be simple I think people complicate it and uh, I really believe that prayer can be anywhere at any time it can be long but it doesn't have to be it can be very short uh, you know direct and to the point the, th the thing that makes prayer work is not its eloquence or its length. It's the faith that's behind it. So if you really believe that God is everywhere and that he loves you and that he wants to meet your needs and already knows what they are before you ever ask him, then just a few simple words is really enough. And I, I, 
it really saddens me when people have such a difficult time with prayer because all it really is is fellowship with God. You know, just knowing that he's, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to change and be something different when I walk out of this interview. I'm going to leave here and go get some coffee and then I'm going to go to lunch and I'm going to do a little shopping and, you know, I need God just as much then as I do now. So we, we need to stop dividing our lives up into what is sacred and spiritual and what's secular and just learn how to just, God is, and to be with him at all times. And finally, just returning to get your hopes up, maybe there are some people thinking, I've just given up dreaming. I've given up having hope for the future because I've had disappointments. My life has been tough. What would you say to the person who thinks they just can't dream anymore? Well, and I don't mean this at all to sound uh, like I don't understand, but it's just, it's just pointless and foolish to stop hoping because if you've been hoping and you're disappointed, Think about how disappointed you're going to be if you have no hope. <laughs> and I always like to say this. If I hope and believe for something and I never get it, I'm still better off because at least that makes me happy. You know, when you, when you have a hopeful, positive attitude, it makes you happy. I think hope even gives you physical energy. I really, there's a whole chapter in the book about the energy of hope. I think that people that are negative in their thinking and their sad and sour and, you know, always expecting the next disaster. Just being full of hope energizes you and it helps you handle the things that come in life. You know, every storm is not in the forecast and there are things that happen in our lives that, you know, that are disappointing and that are hard for us. It, it happens for me the same as it does for everybody else. But I'm not going to give the devil the satisfaction of being hopeless. I'm going to put my hope in God and expect good things to happen to me and through me. Amen. Amen. And finally, what can our listeners pray for, for, for your ministry, Joyce? What are some of the key prayer points at this time? Well, I think one of the things to always pray for is that we do always stay right with God, that our attitude stays in a place where God can use us. Uh, we do travel a lot. We have to be away from home a lot. And I appreciate all the prayers that I get for health and strength and and energy, and uh, I teach a lot, and I do a lot of writing, so I always need prayer for creativity, you know, just to always have a fresh word for people, and uh, those, those are some of the really important things. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to just hear something of your story, and next time we're in the States, we'll have to look out to see if you're in a grocery store somewhere near All us, right, good. but thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was Maria Rodriguez talking to the popular author and speaker Joyce Mayer. This show is brought to you in association with Premier Christianity magazine. If you would like a free sample copy of the latest issue featuring all sorts of interviews, news, features and more, why not head to premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. It's actually a very, very special edition of the magazine this month. It's our Billy Graham tribute issue, 100 pages long, paying tribute to the greatest evangelist of our time. Just go to premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample, type your details in and we'd be delighted to send you a free copy. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today on The Profile. But if you want to hear other interviews with leading Christians, you can go to our website, premierchristianradio.com 
forward slash the profile. While you're there looking at past episodes, did you know you can also access this show as a podcast, meaning you can hear the wealth of interviews we've done on the go wherever you are listening on your phone, your tablet, uh, wherever you are out and about. Why not take advantage of that? All of the details are at premierchristianradio.com forward slash the profile or just search for the profile on your podcast provider. Coming up next here on Premier Christian Radio is Premier Playback.